Welcome to the 21st episode of the Socks and Soul podcast. I'm thrilled to have you with me today. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope you find this content to be entertaining and interesting and uplifting. And if you're out there looking for inspiration on on starting a business or changing careers or making a big change in your life somehow, I hope that this is the kind of show that you will continue to tune into. The real purpose of this show and the reason I started it is I want to tell the stories of people that have taken risks and, you know, had some fear and trepidation about what was next, but felt like a change was important or necessary or required in order for them to live their life to the fullest. And and I've had some great interviews in the first 20 episodes, just some really inspiring people. It has been a really exciting journey for me to sit down and interview people that have been able to overcome, you know, their fear and try something new and different and make their lives better. If you have the opportunity to go do a, a review on Apple Podcasts or go to my Facebook page, which is Socks and Soul Podcast, and do a review there. It would mean a lot to me. I'm working on growing the channel so we can reach and inspire as many people as possible. These are these are great stories that are able to teach us how we can do our best and become our best people. Okay. Enough blabbing on about that. I'm, I'm excited about today's interview. Um, Alyssa and Josiah Roloff, they own a digital forensics company in Spokane, Washington, here where I live. And they are a you know relatively young couple. They have four children. They both work in the business. And they work in an industry that is, you know, that is pretty small and a little bit obscure, where they, they study the digital files uh, and and present them in court cases. They do them for the Department of Defense and uh, and for other clients. And they've got a great story about how they came to be. And and they talk about putting all their chips in to be successful with this business. Alyssa, especially, she found her passion not in the business world, but she found it in the you know in the kind of the nonprofit world. And she got a degree in political science and she worked, you know, in lobbying and efforts to help other people and and was concerned about joining this business with her husband because she found a lot of fulfillment not working in the private sector. They have a great story about coming together and making this life for them and their kids that is really working in harmony with their desires as individuals and as families, with their careers and as parents and partners and, and as a married couple. It's a, great, it's a great interview and it's a great story about compromise and working as a team to make everything better in your life. That being said, let's get into it. Welcome to the Socks and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ditto. Let's go. Thanks for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you in studio to talk about your story. Thanks for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. You, uh, I, I met you guys a couple of, probably, what, three years ago or so. You guys had your office downtown. I guess you're still downtown Spokane, mm-hmm. um, but you have since um, moved up <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. ground, ground floor to what, third or fourth floor. Of, sixth. Sixth floor, the okay. The penthouse. The penthouse. Yes. Even better, very good. And and you have a your business is called Roloff Digital Forensics. Digital Forensics. Yeah. Okay. It describes exactly what we do. Yes. And, and yes. who does it? At least right. one person who does it. Tell tell us about what that is, because that is not that's not your common business that people have heard about. So what is what are digital forensics and how do you do it? Yeah, digital forensics. It's really a very broad term. Um, that can describe a number of things. But essentially what we focus on is we focus on the intersection between um, legal and technology. And so typically we are hired when there is some sort of potential litigation or some sort of litigation is actually ongoing Mm -hmm. and there's some sort of technology that needs to be investigated. Okay. Uh, So we work on every kind of criminal case type you could ever think of, um, homicide being the number one case type we work on. 
Um, but we also work on it kind of every civil matter you could think of. So, you know, you have former business owners who sue each other, who separate, or you have a business who sues a former employee who leaves with trade secrets, um, things like that. So we investigate computers, cell phones, um, data that comes from cloud storage providers like Apple and Google. Uh, and, you know, so we do those sorts of investigations Again, typically in that criminal and, and civil arena. So you're so you you receive hard drives or cell phones or records, and your company just goes through it and looks for evidence, essentially, of whatever the case is being made. Yeah, we look we look for um, evidence. And we do it in, in a defensible manner. Mm-hmm. So we do it in a you know a forensic manner, which is it's a repeatable process. Okay. That if uh, were there some sort of scrutiny on what it is that we are finding. Uh, an opposing side could hire someone to do the same work, and their outcome should be the same. You know, okay. Their conclusion should be the same or very similar, yeah. uh, assuming that we you know, did our job correctly. Yeah. So have you been in this industry then for a long time, Josiah? Yes. Yeah, since 2003. Okay. So was your degree in something? Your, it must be computer science or something then. No. So interestingly <laughs> enough, I, I had not finished my degree at the time. Okay. So I had been working for a big corporation and going to school at the time for network engineering. And okay. I was looking for something in the field of computer science that would be interesting, that wouldn't just be like an administrative position sitting behind a desk fixing, you know, tickets that uh, for somebody's <laughs> desktop computer. That Josiah, why isn't my printer working? Exactly. Yeah. That didn't excite you? <laughs> it, it did for a little bit. <laughs> so um, I was doing research on kind of the, just the security field and what was new, um, what was, uh, you know, what kind of niche areas I might be interested in. Mm-hmm. And I came across, at the time it was called computer forensics, because all of the work was done on computers versus you know, smartphones like sure. you have today. Right. And I found a small company here in Spokane um, that had just started, fairly recently had started up. And it was a former federal agent who had retired and then started his own business. Mm-hmm. And so I approached them um, about you know, an, an internship. I was told no and uh, that they don't do internships, uh, that they couldn't afford an internship at this point in time, but to check back later. Right. And so I said, I, I let them know that I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it to see if this was something that I would be interested in. Yeah. So I'd be willing to work for free, you know, just show up as needed. That's a great attitude. Yeah, it, you know, it really worked out because <laughs> they ultimately paid me. Uh, I think I got paid minimum wage at the time. Wait, so you said, I want to do this. They said no. Yes. And then how long until they said, fine, quit bugging us. You can come work <laughs> for us. Uh, it was a number of weeks. Oh, I it just wasn't kept, that long. Okay. Yeah, I kept checking in. And I love just, it. Yeah. And kind of just knocking on the door. And so finally, when they realized, I said, you know, I really don't care about the money aspect. Mm-hmm. They invited me in for an interview and then they they hired me and they didn't let me work for free. Um, so they, they did pay me. It was me nice in. of them. It was, you know, I was like, this is uh, icing on, the, on top of the cake there. <laughs> so uh, how long had you been working in the field then before you started that paid internship, essentially? So I hadn't been working in the field of computer forensics or digital forensics at all until that. Okay. I was working in information technology. So you were just doing the network stuff? Yep, and, and school. Point. I was going to school. Uh, and so they hired me just part-time as an intern. Okay. Um, I was there about 20 hours a week and still doing my other job and then still also going to school full-time. And about five or six months into that, they offered me a full-time position. And uh, so that kind of started you know, my full-time work just focused on digital forensics, yeah. and I was 20 at the time, so um, this is all I've done since is worked in this field. So is this the, did you, is this the company you ended up buying later on? It is, yep. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, so when, so that was 2003, you said? 2003, 2003. Yes. And when did you two meet? 2007. Okay, so yeah. he was already he was already several years into this he career. He was a forensic examiner at that point. Forensic <laughs> yes. examiner, full on. And did you just really enjoy it? I mean, did you just was it fascinating to you every day because it was different? Or I mean, what's the attraction for you? So the attraction, I, I would say, I, I don't always fit. I never fit the stereotype for somebody who's a nerd and a geek. I played a lot of sports growing up, as captain of the basketball team. Nice. Um, and so in my spare time, I had, I had two, two hobbies really, kind of going through high school, sports and technology. Mm-hmm. And so this career allowed me to have kind of that nerd side um, and that curiosity side in technology really get to be expanded upon and, and worked on. 
Um, I got to build computers, tear them apart, but more importantly, learn how everything resides in memory yeah. and how we can go about analyzing for artifacts to determine what someone's done on those devices. But I also got the human side. Um, so we work with lawyers. Typically, we work with people who aren't very good with technology. Um, it's becoming less that or way. Or good with people. <laughs> Just kidding. All my attorneys. Yeah, um, Just kidding. This is a lawyer joke. <laughs> yeah, so um, I got to have kind of both sides, the social side, which was those interactions with people um, who weren't you know, necessarily nerds themselves. Um, and I got to explain kind of the tech side to them yeah. and figure out ways to translate it yeah. so it made sense. And that's, to this day, the biggest issue I see in our field and I think technology fields as a whole is how do you get people who don't understand it to understand what the technology can do or how you can do something with the technology for them, yeah. even if they don't need to touch it themselves. Yeah. And so we work very hard in our business on that translation piece. So basically what you're doing every day is explaining to my mom how her fire TV works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think that'd be fair. That's, that's very cool. So did you, <clears throat> growing up, did you always want to own your own business? Or are you an entrepreneur by, you know, by nature or your family or your parents entrepreneurs? Yeah, so my parents are. Okay. Uh, my parents owned businesses. Uh, gr when I was growing up, I worked in those businesses with them. I think my parents got a lot of uh, inexpensive labor uh, <laughs> from me and my siblings. Uh, but my dad was a farmer first, so I got to see kind of that side yeah. of, I mean, that was an entrepreneurial spirit. Did you grow up on a farm then? I did, oh, yeah, okay. until about eight when okay. my parents' um, businesses started taking off. Mm -hmm. And so my parents um, owned a health food store in Eastern Washington, Ritzville, Washington. Yeah. And then they opened another one in Spokane, mm -hmm. ran both, and my dad was still doing the farming as well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, growing up in those sorts of environments, um, I, I guess I never really put my finger on, hey, I'm going to own a business. I just assumed I was. Yeah. Uh, that was always the goal initially was to own a computer repair store. I mean, that was that was the early on was, vision. Is, yes, I like computers. I love working on them. I want to own my own store fixing computers. Yes. Okay. Eager Beaver Computers here in Spokane. If anyone remembers that, yeah, like I did. those were that was what I was aspiring to try and do something like that. <laughs> that was your lofty goal. <laughs> it was my lofty goal. <laughs> You're almost there, Josiah. Yeah, yeah. You're just about there. <laughs> yeah. That's that. So, have your parents continued to play a critical role in your business success? I mean, I would say all of the foundational things that I observed growing up still yeah. play a pivotal role. And one, one of the biggest things is just how much effort you need to put into uh, the business, all the things that are not seen yeah. um, by all the people who are looking from the outside in, but also from the people who are inside the organization who don't have the same uh, management level and requirements um, from an ownership perspective, you know, there's just a lot that goes into it. And having observed that from my parents for years and years and years, yeah. I think understanding that is still a daily um, thing that assists me uh, moving forward. It's really interesting when I talk to people in your situation, um, you know, who had parents who were business owners throughout the years, because there are things that you were taught that you didn't even realize you were taught that have served you, you know, probably, you know, through this whole process. Mm -hmm. um, good childhood friend of mine, um, I grew up in Central Oregon, and his family owned a truck bed manufacturing company. And it was so interesting interviewing him and, and him talking about these little lessons that were taught to he and his siblings growing up and how, you know, they played such a critical role in the businesses that, that he owns today, mm -hmm. you know. And so I love, I love hearing about how, how those things, you know, have played together because not everybody was taught the, sure. that, that just entrepreneurial way to look at things even. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting being exposed to that, working for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, um, it, it's a lot of blessings probably in that that I still don't even completely recognize just because yeah. it's innate, you know, yeah. and it's something that I just grew up with and observed and took in. Yeah. Um, and it's become a part of me. But I'm thankful for it because yeah. I feel a lot of freedom, yeah. um, freedom to make decisions, to take risks, uh, Alyssa is a great balance for me on those. I come to her with new ideas and thoughts, and she 
is like, whoa, let's uh, put on the brakes, yeah. Captain, for a moment here. Yeah. So, Alyssa, did did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs as well? Not so much entrepreneurs, but um, just working middle class. Okay. Um, we grew up in Bellingham, Nooksack, Washington, uh-huh. and my um, dad. We actually moved there from Spokane. We were born here, um, but then he moved over there to take ownership of an engineering firm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he ran that business. Um, so how he, old were you when that happened? Eight years old. Oh, okay. Yep, and then we stayed there until I graduated high school Mm -hmm. and actually I was the first one to move back here um, to go to college Uh, but then my mom stayed home with us kids there were seven of us so she was always home with us and taking care of us but she also found a way to make income off of that because she had other kids coming over so she had a child care also free labor because I was helping babysit them (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so just you know hard working middle class Um, my dad worked his way up the ranks in his business to ownership and Learned a lot from him, just his stresses and seeing what a business ownership would look like. Um, I wouldn't say that I felt like I wanted those stresses. Um, So while I saw them, I was more adverse adverse to them because um, I didn't want to live feeling stressed about, you know, making a business run. Sure. Um, So, but I also begged and pleaded with him to let me work in the office as opposed to working as a potato roger, which I was doing for a little bit in a farm Mm -hmm. town. So he slowly got me up and going and I uh, was doing office work for him. And then once I graduated high school, I came over here to Spokane for college my undergrad in uh, political science and speech communications. Mm-hmm. thought I was going to run for office and change the world. I will never run for office. I was going to say, it's not too late. <laughs> no, yeah. We could use a little world change. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that role. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I was over here. I finished my political science degree. Um, went on, I met Josiah. Uh, fell in love with the nerd, even though he doesn't think he's a nerd. Um, <laughs> you beg to differ, huh? I beg to differ. <laughs> he, thinks it's it's the, he thinks it's his jump shot that attracted <laughs> yeah, you. It's really, it's his computer nerd. hacking skills. It's his hacking skills. <laughs> um, yeah, and so... Then I went and got my graduate degree from Gonzaga, speech com- or in, uh, communications and leadership, and um, all of my career had been in nonprofit and policy, and so I did a lot of lobbying for the American Cancer Society um, cool. for a while. Yep, and I covered back and forth, but Washington, Oregon, Alaska, Idaho, just kind of our region in general. Um, and then, how I, long did you work for them? So that would have been 2008 until 2012. Okay. So six years. And did you find that work fulfilling? Is, I, mean, I did. I mean, yep. that's what you had studied basically yes. was working in this political realm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting because jumping kind of right into that after my graduate degree, I felt a sense of purpose and passion. Yeah. And for me, finding that fulfillment in a career was really important without realizing it. Um, and after leaving that to another job, which was great, it's a great job, great people to work for, um, better income, I didn't feel the the purpose um, because I don't know if it was because of my passion for policy or if it was because I felt like I was doing something for a nonprofit. What did you, What? so you worked for them for four years? Six, yes. Six years, and yep. then you, sw- you say you switched jobs? Yeah, and so then I went to a communications job with a corporation, so with a bank. Okay, so um, you were working in the private sector, essentially. Exactly, yeah. And you didn't find that to be... Not as fulfilling. I was using my skill set, which was great. Um, loved the people I worked for. Um, it just... It, I didn't feel that sense of um, passion or purpose. Mm-hmm. However, then we ended up having a merger as a bank, as typical banks do, and I was able to jump into a role where I was then managing a foundation um, with other with other people on my team, and we were working on giving away the money to nonprofits. And still, groups. still with the with the bank, with the bank, with the new bank, essentially. So, um, had you had you uh, expressed your opinion or dissatisfaction with what you're doing? With kind of how did they? I mean, how did they select you? I mean, they must have known you had <laughs> a couple been doing of reasons. Yes, work. part of it was that. Part of it was my non- nonprofit work. Um, part of it was being here in Spokane, but also part of it was that we were we were planning on moving to Portland, and oh, okay. they were based in Portland, and okay. so it was an opportunity for me to stay on board with the new bank, um, but also they had this group of social responsibility, corporate social responsibility, where we would be um, managing a foundation that came out of the merger, mm-hmm. um, where we were giving back to the communities that we were in. Oh, cool. Um, and so me being here, I had a good pulse on what was necessary or needed and good nonprofits to work for. Um, or to provide funds to. And then we, obviously, if we would have been based in Portland, that would have been an essential for them to have that role with yeah. the rest of the team over there. 
Um, ultimately, that didn't work out. Another blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, it just, with childcare and family being over here, didn't make sense for us to move. Yeah. Um, so I stayed in that role until we had our third daughter, um, who's four now. And then we moved into, we had this opportunity to purchase this business. And that's when we took the leap and put all our eggs in one basket. I quit my job. And there was a lot of stuff leading up to this where I needed to be in that role. Yeah. Um, but then we just decided best for the family that we both are involved in this business and help it grow yeah. um, from different perspectives and with different strengths. Yeah. Okay. Let's get let's to get this to part. Let's get to the nitty gritty. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited how we go from, you know, lobbyist and, and what did you call it? The the corporate responsibility officer. Corporate social responsibility. Yes. And, uh, and the eager beaver repair guy yeah. to forensics. And then boom, here we are buying this company that essentially you helped build since the day you graduated from college. Before, yeah, a, a key was. component, or yeah, even before, yeah, you know, your first job. So, so how did how did that all all come to fruition then? Yeah. So after I was brought on full time, a number of years later, the owner of the business offered me a partnership um, with him, so an ownership stake in the company. How how long was that after he had hired you full time? Four or so years, okay, probably four or five cool. years. Yeah. Right. So so you're still pretty young. I, I yeah, I'm in my mid to still early twenties awesome. at this point. And um, yeah, so the, kind of this, you know, this little um, golden carrot, you know, kind of dangling out there. And I took it and kind of locked myself up into thinking that this is going to be my future, is that we're going to have a buyout plan that gets put into place um, that will allow me to, you know, slowly take over. Full so your understanding was I get a piece now and then over a certain amount of years, eventually I buy him out completely. Correct. Okay. Yep. That's the plan. I have um, a feeling that's not what happened. It's not. Oh no. What <laughs> you said, your understanding was. <laughs> yes. Um, what I have learned, and I've learned so many things from this being being a part of that company, yeah. um, being an owner, signing agreements, you know, working in the legal industry. I have learned a lot over the years, and one of the biggest biggest takeaways, which you hear so many people preach, is to plan your exit when you're creating the plan. Period. And to make sure you have that in place when everybody's good and everybody's on great terms. I hear this, I, you know, I hear this a lot. I have guys tell me all the time that the exit strategy is harder than the entrance strategy. Yes. And you don't think about that when you're just trying to figure out how to feed your kids or whatever, you know, or what I want to do. But, uh, but it's something that I hear on a very regular basis. And for good reason. I mean, this was... The way that everything ended, kind of jumping ahead of ourselves here, but the way it ended, I mean, I, I could not more heavily, you know, advise people that that, is, that needs to be written out in stone at the beginning. Yeah. Because we didn't. We created the entrance to it with a basically kind of a handshake of what the exit's going to look like. Right. Without the exit being defined whatsoever. Sure. And then the exit evolved as time continued. And each party's expectations of what that exit was supposed to look like appeared to keep going further and further away. Oh, man. And so it ended uh, in 2017 with me finally saying, enough is enough, and I'm done. Uh, and so I'm going to leave the company and figure something else out. So you had bought into this thing, and for more than a decade, it sounds like, yeah. it, 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 the partnership wasn't, it wasn't going very well. It went fine until we finally got to the point where I started saying, I need this in writing, what the exit's going to look like. Yeah. That's when it started really going south. Okay. Um, and at that point in time, I was running the company. Sure. I was the president of the company. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of changes that I needed to be able to make to make the company what I thought was possible for it. Mm -hmm. And again, we were on two different pages. Um, and I only had so much say, uh, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so it became very frustrating, um, very frustrating and ended in a way that I, I hope no one has to go through as far as business partnerships and partners go. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I walked away and that was a, that was a really, really challenging decision because there's this investment that you put into something. I felt like it was my baby. To so were extent. you a 50% owner? No. So you were a minority. I was a minority, correct. Yeah. So that yep. makes it even more frustrating because you're yes. the president, but you're not really the boss. Yes, exactly. And so you, at the end of the day, all the decisions, you know, 
get he overrules you on everything if, if he wants to which yeah on the important things it seemed like that's the way it was going and it was yeah. going that way yeah yeah so we we had to make a very important decision i mean a huge decision this is like the first you know your leap of faith is one i don't know where i'm gonna land we have a contract and you know he uh through his lawyers, basically threatened me um, every day that I was gone about, you know, the non-compete agreement that I had in place with him, et cetera, et cetera. So I had And this to, is a non-compete that you had signed over a decade earlier. When I was, yeah, 24 or 25 years old, mm-hmm. with a lot of finances to make sure I hired some good attorneys to look it over on my behalf. No. <laughs> Something of course. <laughs> of course you had the foresight as a 24-year-old uh-huh. to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again... Foolish, um, but a lesson, a big lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so had you resigned yourself at this point that you're like, listen, I'm just going to leave and start my own forensic company? I had. Um, I'd also looked at all the other industries that use digital forensics that we had not as a company worked in. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to a lot of those contacts and set into motion potential careers, um, you know, jobs that I could have lined up with them if I was stopped from running my own digital forensics firm because it's a relationship-based career and industry. So, of course, the day I left, my cell phone was blowing up with people saying, I hear you're no longer working in digital forensics. I said, well, that's not quite correct. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of have to, you know, explain some things and let them know that they can keep working with that company. Um, Here's my plan going forward. And I learned later that the company ended up having its worst month in well over a decade that mm-hmm. month as people kind of backed away from them, yeah. pulled retainers, mm-hmm. and said, we're going to go a different route. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're probably in panic mode at this point in time to an extent, and also in big litigation or amping up for potential litigation, uh, you know, against me for leaving and potentially taking clients with me if I chose to take that work on. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, my goal was to have a couple of different options. If I couldn't do my own business in the industry and with the clients I'd already been working with for so long, right. then I'm going to go somewhere else and work in digital forensics in an area that we've never worked in before. So I didn't want to do that, though. I didn't want to work for someone else. And so that that was where I really didn't want that route to be what was necessary. And at this point, we're relying on Alyssa and her, you know, her, her career as like, okay, well, maybe I can't make an income for a period of time, and we're just gonna have to rely on you. I did and have the healthcare, so that was true. helpful. That's a big. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah, for a family, for sure. Yeah, especially with all the kids and yeah. mm-hmm. you know and everything when they're young like that. So tell me, tell me about the leap of faith part of this. You both have used that term. What what was what was the leap of faith, and how did you prepare, and how did you make it, and 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 what did it look like? Yeah. I'll, I'll start it off, but you were in the trenches of it. Um, so basically after we decided that he was going to be done there, um, I was going to continue on with my role at the bank. Um, and we had a newborn at home and two older kids. And um, so we just did our best to rally our family. So my mom was helping take care of the kids while he was trying to work from home, just whatever he could get his hands on. Just so, you're, to, so at this point, you're basically doing just side work, whatever you can get your hands on? Side work and kind of just an interesting, thinking. Uh, yeah, thinking, yeah. working through what's next. Okay. Um, but yeah, side work as it came in. And um, I got a lot of opportunities at that during this yes. month to go right. do presentations. Okay. So I took those okay. and did a bunch of presentations talking about digital forensics, but something that was not, you know, prohibited in my uh, non-compete mm-hmm. agreement. Sure. So tried to keep it as, as safe as possible as we tried to figure out what was going to happen. And our goal with my former partner is that we would enter into some sort of mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had a lot of ties to separate. We had buildings that we owned, um, property that we owned, and that, those were jointly owned, oh um, 50-50. And so we had to unravel all that. And at this point in time, my former partner did not seem like he wanted to discuss any of that and kind of just leave things out there as long as possible and kind of drag this on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, you know, we had a lot going on in a lot of different directions, but the ultimate you know, understanding is it, we could not, I could not go back to working with this person ever again. So that was, that bridge was, was torched yes. yep. and it washed yeah. down, yep. whatever. Yep. I, I'm curious how, how you felt as a father and as a husband and a, obviously your wife was successful in her career. And so that was great. But, 
but how are you feeling during this time? I mean, what was this was this challenging for you emotionally and as a husband and father? Like what what did that feel like for you? Yeah, it was it was extremely emotional. I mean, it, it's something that kept me up every night very late and then I would wake up throughout the night and get up and start working on problems that I knew needed to be fixed and ideas. Um, it was very, very stressful. Um, having been able to provide very well, you know, even for this short period of time with the uncertainty of how I'm going to be able to provide, but knowing that it's going to be okay. I knew it was going to be okay at the end of the how day. How did you know it was going to be okay? Because I, I had faith in what we could do. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how soon it would be okay. I knew it would be okay eventually. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, you know, that was a not being able to yeah, take care of my family in the financial way that I was used to was unsettling. What was he like during that time? He was very stressed. So I think that that's a lot of why we rallied family around during that time is I had to go be at the office. Um, he had to be home, but he couldn't be watching over three kids. He's trying to think of through, like, what can I be doing? He's getting job offers, but, they, you know, you, when you just don't feel right, you yeah. don't feel right. It's not, it's not the right opportunity. I know there's more to this. Um, I have a ton of faith in him. He's incredibly intelligent, and he's very good at what he does. So I never really stressed about what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I always knew as a partner, as the father of the girls, like, he just, it was going to be okay. Um, and, but I tried to reiterate that to him, but when you're in a role position where like he felt probably everything was on his shoulders. So trying to relieve as much of that tension as possible was, I think my role in all of that. Um, and just be like, okay, well, we're, we're okay financially for the time being. Um, let's take this month and think of it a little bit as a break, you know, take the stresses off and rethink things because it is a high stress job. And he was in a high stress role before that leading up to that. Um, so it was kind of nice to see him kind of step out of that, um, do a lot of working out. And yeah, like, a lot of work. Just, out. Yeah, just focus on himself more than I think he had in the past. Yeah. Um, so my role was really just supporting that however I could, just knowing, like, he's not going to just be done. He's, he's not the type. To <laughs> you were like, like, great. No motivation. Just okay, the next here we go. Playing yep. Halo in the basement. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I picked wrong. No, um, that would be terrible. Um, <laughs> No, but yeah, I just so much faith in him and his intelligence. And I told them this and I told it during that time. But even after is I know that things will always be all right because of his motivation and his intellect and his connections. He, he knows what he's doing. So, yeah. Yeah. But you didn't want to go work for someone else. You were oh. still in this avenue of I'm going to have my own business and I'm going to make this thing work. If, yeah, if anything, I, even more was concrete in that belief. Yeah. Um, even, you know, having kind of that thought that you are an owner in a company, but realizing you at the end of the day aren't the ultimate decision maker. <laughs> right. Uh, you share a profit, but not a decision. <laughs> right. Um, you know, or you, you share decision making powers as long as I agree with everything you're right. deciding. As long as you never disagree. <laughs> right. It's great. So, you know, that even more was like, I'm not going back to working for someone. I will if I have to. Sure. But I did not want to. And so I also didn't want to go back to that company for any any shape or form to include buying out that partner anymore. I was done with all of that. Right. I wanted nothing to do with him, anything that he had touched, and I thought I could build it from the ground up better than ever before. Yeah. So that's where I was at. Um, we had you know the legal back and forth happening. And Just out of curiosity, yeah. what kind of a financial hit did this have on your family? I mean, we had savings in place, so yeah. mm-hmm. not anything drastic whatsoever because okay. it only lasted a month, and you know we definitely had saved a lot more than a month's <laughs> worth of that's good resources. Yes, of course, mm-hmm. and of course, Alyssa's still working too. Right, right. Um, so it wasn't drastic because of the short term yeah. nature of it. Sure, we sure. would have had to rethink a lot of things if it lasted six to nine months. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. just but yeah, we. The month we were okay with. Mm-hmm. And we would have been okay, and we could have made it okay as long as we needed to. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we would have made it work. But right. it was nice it was only 30 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uncertainty piece of it all. So how did it all resolve then? So. Um, this is that leap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the next one, right? This is the next one. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. So long fall. We end up going through mediation, which was ultimately my goal. Um, and we had a mediator here in town. Um, who was a former judge, a retired judge. And my attorney and I were in one room, 
and my former partner yeah. and his wife were in another room. And, and I'm just going to interject really quickly. This is a very big, important day. I go into the office and I forget my cell phone because oh, no. he's planning on calling me in between to just like to talk consult, through. Yeah, like, exactly. That's like, what they're talking about. Are we wanting to do this as a family? That sort of thing. And so I don't have a cell phone oh, with no. me. Um, but I did have a work phone. So that was that just really was the icing <laughs> on the cake for that day. Yeah, so my attorney's from out of town. She's mm-hmm. flying in from Portland, and so it's you know it's a, there's a lot going on, and and of course the mediation itself. And my my goal is this needs to be done today. Yeah, whatever it is, it needs to absolutely be done. And I wasn't sure it could be based on how far away we were with each other. But my goal is to have all ties with him severed that day. Yeah, and I did not want to buy the company, so that was off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say that, you didn't want to buy out the remainder of the shares. Correct. You know, from yep. him. Based on what he had postured for kind of the value that he was expecting from because it. Because you thought it was overvalued the way he was saying Is that why? Yes. Okay. Um, and I knew I was going to have to buy myself, essentially, to, you know, a piece of myself when buying him out. Mm-hmm. But yes, it, in my mind, it was so overvalued because I brought the primary value to it. Right. Um, so it, it was very tough to like, chew on. Like, this is a rip-off. I do all the work, <laughs> right. and then I have to pay you for my work. <laughs> yes, to some extent. And I knew there was value in what he had started, what sure. I was able to join, what I had learned. But there's a point, there's a tipping point where I am offering so much more value for so many years, and it hasn't been compensated, yeah. that either you take that, yeah. and you take that as your compensation for pieces of this buyout, um, or you know, if, you, if you're not doing that, you can't expect at the end that you're going to get this huge you know, chunk on top of that decade plus of yeah. value that you've received and compensation. So my thought was there's no way we're coming to terms on that. And I also didn't want to. At that point, I was set on, I want to start something from scratch. You're like, I just want out of this. Yep. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, <clears throat> I just need out because yep. I need to move on with my life. Yes. Cool. Okay. So what happened? So, uh, you know, he, he apparently wanted to be done with the business even more than I ever realized um, <laughs> because he, <laughs> he, through his attorney and the mediator and the way that the mediator was kind of able to move things around, um, ultimately made me an offer that I really couldn't refuse. Mm-hmm. It was too good, too cheap. Um, you know, he takes essentially the properties. He takes essentially outstanding accounts receivables, and I pay him a chunk of change that was, in my opinion, for what the value of the company was and what I could do with it, was extremely minimal. Cool. And so uh, we took it. Um, you know, I I did not expect that to be the conclusion, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we we separated, you know, ways at the end of that day. I didn't see him. Um, and, you know, he, you and I went over to Seattle with the kids uh, for the weekend. That's right. Yeah, that yep. was that weekend. Got to talk kind of through all of that and what it meant. And that following Monday, I was back in our old office and uh, having some conversations with employees about what was happening and what was going to happen. The employees know? They, Part- they partially knew. Yeah. I mean, they knew One you side. hadn't been there for a month. Right. right. <laughs> so they had heard whatever he'd been telling them. Yeah. Yes. And I imagine that wasn't great. <laughs> Whatever he was telling them to tell clients. Uh, yes. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah, so How many <laughs> employees did you guys have at that point? Oh, uh, man. What did we have? Seven, eight. Okay. Something like that. So it's yeah. a small, tight-knit mm-hmm. group there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And there were certain people I wasn't sure I wanted to keep around. Mm-hmm. Um, so really having some decisions to be, you know, that we had to make on how do we help people find better positions for themselves if they are not the people yeah. that I want yeah. going forward. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was quite a day and a weekend. And then as we planned for the future, what we could do, what we needed to do, you know, it's a little bit like starting a business from scratch as in there's no accounts receivables outstanding at that you have point. no property, so you have mm-hmm. no real assets. Correct. Mm-hmm. So you can't borrow against it. And you still need to pay it, for it. Like yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, you have this chunk that you've got to buy the company mm-hmm. for, so you had to yep. go out and get a business loan, I presume, to cover that? No. Um, we already had some things in place with some lines of credit and things like you. that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so... We didn't actually have to take a loan out whatsoever for the remainder amount, and we had a, a, a kind of a payoff schedule, so oh, it wasn't okay. all due immediately. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you already had kind of that set yep. up. That was part of the mediation, I imagine. It was. Very yep. good. And so gave us some time to collect on something, to get some new you know, accounts receivables out there, collect on it, mm-hmm. and be able to use some of that to help pay it off. Yeah. If he were to watch this, 
Um, if he were to know that the very first month that we were in business on our own, we grossed more than what our payoff amount was to him. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yep. And uh, the first 12 months of us being in business, we doubled the gross revenue that the company had ever done in their best year. And this is, be- so I, I imagine that this is because all of these years you were like, we should be doing this, we should be doing this. And and I imagine some of that re- you know required investment and changes and differences in people's job descriptions and the way you did it. And he just never wanted to change what he was doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. He never wanted to modify from what he'd been doing since, you know, you were a 20-year-old kid asking to work for free. Right. And so it never happened. And in that first year, you you basically unfolded all these things that you'd been keeping in for all that time. And it was remarkably successful. Mm-hmm. Is that about right? That that is about right. Yeah, and I, I will say we Alyssa did an amazing job of getting us advisors in the community, mm-hmm. um, and connecting and getting us. I mean, even just free resources that Spokane offers mm-hmm. um, business, you know, small business, mm-hmm. and getting these advisors on board to assist us in different ways that we could forecast and plan. And as we showed them old books. And we showed them our progress that first 12 months. They kept saying, how are you doing this? And In what uh, sense? How are we growing so fast oh, in okay. comparison to our historical numbers? <laughs> They're like, this has been a very slow-moving yeah. tortoise when for a long time. Yes. All of a sudden, you went, you know. Yep. That's exactly You're like, right. well, I got rid of the, uh, the guy that was anchoring <laughs> this thing to the ocean floor first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got rid of a number of people who weren't in the right roles or weren't mm-hmm. with the right company yeah. and got people on board who wanted to go and have us all row in the right direction or the same direction right. at least. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, just making the changes we needed to make in, in our focus mm-hmm. and the way that we were going to do business and how we were going to take care of customers consistently. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was that first 12 months. What's interesting is, you know, we basically did all the things I wanted to do at least in the first 12 months that I could possibly plan for. Yeah. And I had no idea we'd be that successful or that much more successful than before. Yeah. Um, but now it's interesting as we look back on that and where we're at now, we're now kind of at this new ceiling. And so we're like ready to bust through it again. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how we do that. Cause we have, we have plans for how we're going to do it. And I yeah. think it's going to be another kind of growth spurt just like that. Are mm-hmm. you telling me this is going to be bigger than owning a beaver <laughs> repair company? I think we've, we got there already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm getting real lofty on you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to talk about the day that you quit your job yep. and joined full time mm-hmm. because we are, we already mentioned that you were, your, your job was paying for health benefits yep. and those kinds of things. Stable. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, we often, we often equate, the real job with the, you know, the stable job, Mm -hmm. you know, in reality, I don't necessarily think that's always the case, Mm -hmm. but, but what was that like for you and, and, and how did you come to that conclusion? Yeah. So we were going back and forth on that phone call that day through mediation. Um, ultimately when the decision was made that we would buy out the company, um, we did, we took that trip to Seattle. I even forgot about that because it was spent just unraveling and talking through everything that we didn't plan on doing. Like we did not go in there planning on buying this business. Um, So I wasn't prepared to talk about that. Um, I talked before about how I I love to have a sense of purpose and passion in what I'm doing um, just to feel fulfilled. Otherwise I would stay home with the family because that's my biggest fulfillment is being with my kids and my husband. And um, I, we ultimately decided after having multiple conversations, like my background is not in digital forensics. It is not in technology. <laughs> Those are things that we compensate on. Um, so he, um, th- I thought, well, you know, I, I can do the business part. I'm not, I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm not an accountant. Like all of these things, where can I input myself and bring value to a business? Um, I started realizing the purpose and the value that I would bring would bring value to our family which is an extremely important value or role to play, um, but it also offers flexibility. So I am able to be around my children who are just starting to enter school and um, be there for them. And what he hasn't even mentioned yet is the amount of travel that's required for this position and this role and this job um, and this business. And he is on the road three weeks out of the month in a typical year, not in a COVID year, in a typical year. Um, And so that is then I am the sole homemaker person who's there for the kids um we do my mom does a wonderful job of watching the kids during the day which is great so that i can be in the office um but when it comes to evening time it's all me 
uh, if he's traveling. So um, all of those things played into, like, I need that flexibility. The purpose is obviously there. It's for our family. It's something that we can grow together, and it provides opportunities for our kids in the future, um, the way that we see it. And so uh, we made the decision that I would quit my job, um, and I'd start helping to build, rebuild, and grow this business. Um, So, like he said, I went out and I found the connections I could find um, because when you don't know the answer, you find the people who know the answer. Were you concerned about going back into the private side? I was. And and like, listen, I know this is our business and I know Mm -hmm. that my husband is passionate about it, Mm -hmm. but am I going to fall right back into the way I felt when I started in banking where I was like, I don't know, this just feels like, you know, we're just working to make a profit and, you know. Just doing the day-to-day, not feeling a sense of fulfillment. Um, On top of that, he's the face of the business. This is something he's been doing for how many years? I come in as the wife. That was probably my primary concern going in is how many of the employees, the clients, everyone else is going to be like, oh, he just hired his wife to come on in. And I never want to be that kind of person. I've never wanted to be that kind of person. I have my own background. I have my own education. I have my own skill set. So I really tried to, over the last three and a half years, capitalize on that. He's been extremely supportive and not only like making sure that everyone knows that's not my role. I'm not coming in as wife to take over anything, um, but that I offer a unique experience and education and skill set again to um, all of these people and to growing this business. (laughs) He's like, look, she's got a master's degree. (laughs) So I think she'll be all right around here. She'll be all right. Maybe I'll just just use my maiden name on my business card. I thought about that too, you know, like they've just, you just never know. And I, and I've seen it before. We hear all these stories, tales of, people who bring their wives in and it doesn't end up well um people think they're teamed up their spouse or any family member family member in general family members in general nepotism isn't always the best way to grow a company yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know it's an easy way to grow it yeah or an easy way to fill positions yeah yeah Yeah. for sure Mm -hmm. so um all of those things were just uh, things that i had to struggle with internally i could talk to josiah about it but he couldn't quite understand to the extent that like this is his business um i've never been known in it um, but he was right. It it hasn't. It didn't take many years for people not to remember that, or for people to remember that I was never not there. Um, like they just see it now as we have always both been there, which mm-hmm. is important to me, so that they realize we're two different people. I'm not riding his coattails, um, but it's also really useful for our family to have. And it's a great it's a great indicator that you did it the right way, right? As well, yeah. You know that's. You know, you, and it takes you, both of us to do you, that. Yeah, you integrate quickly, and mm-hmm. you know each other's roles, and you know you fill them. You know, mm-hmm. great. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I met you, you had, I think, I th- you had two or three of your kids in your office. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. And uh, and then I remember I came in the next year, and you were pregnant with your boy. Yes, with the boy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and you know, so as I as I listen to your story and about this leap of you know going into full time you know ownership uh-huh. and the travel associated with it, it, it really did create an interesting conundrum for your family in terms of how are we going to raise these kids and you know and you feel fulfilled in your career also Mm -hmm. as a mom and also as a dad but Mm -hmm. you know what a what a great example of teamwork in unity in a marriage and in a business yeah that's pretty that's pretty exciting yeah thank you that it is it's it's hard work and a lot of people don't see the other pieces of it right you see either one side or the other and we have had to intermingle it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, as you just mentioned, I forgot that he, yeah, the three ki- three girls were in there, then I was pregnant. Yep. And then I think I had an employee in there the next year because yep. uh, she was just training. And yeah, that's it's just, right. you yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. And then we moved offices. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's yeah, right. it just, it's been, it's interesting the way that we, um, I think probably as women, not to sound sexist or anything like that, but as a working mother, you just have to find ways to shift one gear to the next, to the next, to the next. And even today, we had to bring our three kids with us because yeah. it just it's how it had to work out. And, you know. Well, I'll tell you, as a father of a lot of kids, you know, we have five. Yeah. You know, I have I have always felt like the world is in need of good parents. You know, and not that I'm a great parent, but I'm an okay parent. I'm a good parent, you know, and I I love seeing other big families, Mm -hmm. you know, because it is an indicator of people who are just, you know, just willing to figure out how it all works. It'll work out some way or another. I mean, Annie and I got married and we found out we were pregnant very early on. We were both still in school. Annie was in in the middle of her master's program and we were freaked out. And we learned a couple of things from that experience. One was... 
nine months is a long time to figure out how things can work. Mm -hmm. Number two is, you know, God wants us to have kids, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, uh, I'm talking about us specifically, not everybody. I'm not... I'm just talking about me and you know. the royal aspect. Yes, just, you know. I mean, I, I think families are central to God's plan for you know. But but I also mm-hmm. I also believe that for us, you know, you know, for us to have these kids and for you guys to have these kids, there's a way for it to all work together mm-hmm. very well. You know, yeah. for everybody to get taken care of, for you to feel successful in your professional careers, to be great parents, and yeah. you know, and to have these great little ankle biters running around. Little ankle Absolutely. biters. <laughs> I yeah. think. Okay. Go ahead. You first. I was just going to say, I think it's also a good example for them to see parents working and trying to maintain a home and, you know, just make it all work and being flexible. Mm -hmm. Um, They just have to learn that, you know, with a lot of children comes a lot of different personalities and they all kind of learn from each other and from their community, really. Yeah. And let's face it, you guys can use some free labor in the very near future. Right. Yes. I, I keep, you know, thinking about that and waiting for that day to come. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty soon you're going to have, uh, you know, somebody to clean the office, mm-hmm. somebody to make lunches for everybody and, you know, bring in treats, you yeah. know. I'll take you know, the treats. Work the espresso machine. Uh, yeah, exactly, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I I am very, I'm very excited for your success. I'm very excited for you guys and and to, to see what the future holds. Um, it's, an, it's an incredible journey. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to ask you was, so did you, was it that drive to Seattle that you decided to quit your job? Yeah, I mean, there was no intention before that because we didn't think we were buying out this business. Right, right, um, right. I thought more of him as the entrepreneurial route. Like he might just be an independent contractor for one thing or another. Maybe he'll go work for someone. We don't know. Right. Um, did not intend to buy the business. Then really didn't intend on quitting my job. Um, I really did love that job. Yeah. I think that it grew me tenfold um, and my heart for this community, for the Spokane community, and the things that we can do for different nonprofits here. Um, but ultimately, um, I just saw the place we were at in life. It made more sense to leave that role, to start and grow something of our own. So that, but that all happened at the same time. It all you happened job, at the same yeah. time. The after the mediation, it was like, okay. Now when you say all our eggs in that basket, it was like, here 100%, we go. hundred mm-hmm. percent, yeah. We're doing it. We're yep. doing it. Yep. That and I think so cool. it was probably one late night conversation where we were like, okay, we're all in. I'm quitting my job. We're, we're going in on Monday. Or you went in on Monday. Yep. Um, I still had to give notice. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that. And mm-hmm. then actually... I gave my notice. I worked there during the day. In the evenings, I would come back to this office and start going through the books and learning about what was going on. I had a decent idea of what they did, obviously, after 15 years of knowing Josiah and what they were doing. Um, But I had no idea what was behind the curtains and um, just the things that needed to maybe be corrected. So we took a a huge risk. We Mm -hmm. made a huge move. Mm -hmm. And... You know, financially, you guys are way better off today than you were before that happened. Oh, yeah. But it was all unknown. Yep. It was all, yep. it was a big question mark. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be able to rebuild this? Is, mm-hmm. you know, what did he do to my name in the 30 days that I wasn't yep. there? Yes. How are we going to get health insurance? And, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's been even better than you could have imagined. It really has, yes, both financially and emotionally. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. We discount <laughs> yeah. that part a lot. Right. We look at entrepreneurs that are successful and we're like, oh, you know, he's got the big house and the big truck and he's successful and he's got it all together. Right. But really, really, even more important than that for you two was how do we raise our kids? How do I feel like I can come to work and not feel like I'm beating my head against a wall? Mm-hmm. And how do you continue to find purpose mm-hmm. in, in your passion and, and you've done a really good job it sounds like of doing all those things thank you it's still a work in progress it totally. is <laughs> it will always be a work in progress yeah. truly it'll just be different challenges yeah both with family and at work yeah so it'll be well we'll have to circle the wagons in a couple of years and yeah. Yeah. you've got three teenage daughters at the same time oh. <laughs> we'll be more than a couple of years yeah, yeah. they'll be driving us here <laughs> So I, 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 one of the things that I love, I'm, I'm really dorky in my excitement about it, are socks. I mm-hmm. love great socks. I'm, my kids know me as, I said it years ago, and I'll never live it down, that if I were a rich guy, I'd wear a new pair of socks every day. That would be my indulgence, uh-huh. you know? I would just, I love putting on new pairs. So I got kind of Christmassy socks on today. But love you it. guys have cool socks on. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the story here? We were prepared. 
Do you want to go first, or you want me uh, to? So these these are brand new socks. Yeah. But, a couple uh, hours old. Yeah, a couple oh, hours old. Oh, like brand. Like you took yeah. the tags off today. Oh, yeah, oh they man, might still I feel be on there. I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, I actually had a different pair of socks on there in my coat pocket. We can go over those later if you want. But um, this pair of socks went on because I tried on and purchased my first set of ski boots today. Oh, right. So mm-hmm. these I said, they're ski. long. They look like ski socks. Yep, they are. And they're very comfortable. And I thought, yeah. you know, I'm just going to leave them on. So one really cool thing that we've done this year, last year we, t- we took our two oldest girls skiing for the first time. Wonderful. And Do I, you two ski? I snowboarded. Okay. I'm still learning. Okay, so yes. you're brand new to the sport. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. I got to, yeah, I'm, I'm a decent snowboarder. Good. Yeah. But last year I decided if the girls are going to learn how to ski, or if yeah. our kids are going to learn how to ski, then I, I'm going to take this opportunity to switch. So um, we've been up four times, three times this year so far. Yeah. As a side um, note, I told him I could ski, and he took me up skiing when we were just dating and did not. He's <laughs> like, no, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he sent me with his friend's wife or a girlfriend at the time, who we still ski with. They're a great couple, but <laughs> she was just like... She doesn't know how to ski. <laughs> Did she tell you she Did could she? ski? Because she can't. Yeah, she can't right. not ski. <laughs> and I had a lot of patience back then, so. Yeah. <laughs> I learned. I actually she, Now I'm did. a lot you better. Did. I actually take the little ones with me, but. Perfect. <laughs> but, yeah, so the, the story behind these just being that as a family, you know, we're able to go skiing now. And so we, our kids have been up there three times already this year mm-hmm. and watching a one-year-old, four-year-old, six, and then eight uh, pick a pick up a sport like this so fast, yeah. and it's just it's so it's so much fun. And then to have this as an opportunity to do family time yeah. mm-hmm. that requires a lot of time. Yeah. So you're all together for quite a bit if you're gonna make the decision to do it for the day. I I I cannot tell you how much I love this. Yeah. Because it's hard when you've got this varying age of kids to do something. And, 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 you know, we're the same way. You know, last year was the first year that we all started skiing together. And, and, and I, tell, I tell families, I'm like, this is, I know that it can be kind of an expensive, you yeah. know, thing between the gear. And the problem is your kids got, have to get new gear every, every year, year because they flip and keep growing. Right. You know? <laughs> My kids are like, why can't I have a nice snowboard? I'm like, you can have a nice snowboard or coat as soon as you stop, stop growing, growing out of the right. way. <laughs> but, but being able to spend, you know, on the chairlift one-on-one with your kids and just talking to them and packing. There's something about packing up as a family and heading up there, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, there's a, I took a picture at Mount Spokane last year. So I, I'm like totally a nerd about this. Right. So we load up the the truck and we go up there and then, and then I have like buckets for people to sit on. I put out a big blanket so they can (laughs) walk on the snow. And I, and I, and I started back. I was like, it looks like we're having a garage sale up here. (laughs) So I took a picture. I was like, no, don't worry about us. We're just having a garage sale in Mount Spokane. (laughs) But, but I love this idea of, of doing this sport together, yeah. I think I think it's I think it's so great, and it's yeah. one thing that it's the one gift that COVID has given our family mm-hmm. is we've spent we spent a ton of time on the lake, and we're spending so far, and we'll continue to do it is spending a bunch of time together, you know, skiing and yeah, you know, same thing for us. It's exactly. just awesome. Yeah, I yeah. love this tradition that you guys are creating with your family and your your girls. Yeah, and you too. Way. That's awesome. That's great. I love it. Ski socks. Mm-hmm. Ski socks. All right, Alyssa, what do you got? I have running socks. All right. Running into my space. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, these are my Belegas. They're one of my favorite brands. Not that I'm plugging for Belega or that they need that, but yeah. um, I love running, and it's the one space that I am away from all the chaos, yeah. and I can just think, and it's I come back so much clearer, and it's just very healthy thing for yeah. me. Um, so I just... These are very important to me because they make my feet comfortable and I can run in them. I so, love it. Yeah. Just. I interviewed Mike Bresson on this show a couple of months ago. He's the president and founder of Active for Youth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, Same sounds familiar. Yeah. And he, um, he boy, I love his take on running because it's just yeah. like what you said, you know. He talks about meditation while he runs and, you know, mm-hmm. and really figuring things out. And, and I hate running. But I do it. I did it. I've done it more this year because I can't play bat. They have, you know, the gyms have been closed, but yeah. I play basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, and I and, and after I did that interview with Mike, I was like, I should I should run with a purpose, not just mm-hmm. to not get fat, right. which is its primary. That's really the only reason I do it: to not <laughs> get fat and to be in shape for whatever, whatever, right. you know, mm-hmm. hiking or skiing or whatever I'm doing. <laughs> 
But but I thought why don't I why don't I deliberately make a list of things that I want to think about mm-hmm. and and then run and use that time to meditate and it yeah. changed the way I ran because you're not thinking about running at that right. point you are mm-hmm. thinking right. and you're clear and yeah you get the dopamine going it's yeah. just it's fantastic and don't get me wrong I still hate running and yes. I don't do it very often <laughs> but I can totally appreciate a good pair of running socks yes yeah you have to have the good socks so I have I have a gift for you too Ooh. my favorite pair of socks are made by Stance. I don't know if you have any Stance socks. I don't. Okay, I'm going to welcome you to the Brotherhood. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> these are these are Stance socks, and they're just comfortable, and they last a long time. And these ones aren't that exciting. I apologize. So you can call them your business socks or whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Um, these, Alyssa, these are for you. I'll tell you, I'm notoriously bad at picking out socks for my, my female guests, so okay. I apologize. That's fine. I just, I'm just not that good at it. I don't know. It's like it's like picking out Christmas presents for my wife. Yeah. She looks, she's like, oh, that's great. Oh, Thank thanks you. for the robe. So you can, you can re-gift these over here. But Happy Feet, um, they, make, um, they make great socks. And okay. and so I or this is from excuse me happy family this is from two left feet which I have oh. which I I which are, are good as well but it look it, to me they looked like they were like peanut butter jelly on toast oh. or on like and I was just thinking about you know being a mom Kids and making and lunches and, you know and cooking and you know and I don't know if you even That's fulfill perfect. that role in your family but we can't uh, do peanuts in our house but okay all right <laughs> we do use some butter <laughs> there you these go. are very cool thank you and so anyway I fun. I love a fun print on a good pair of socks and yeah so I thought about you and it matches your jacket there too it does so. I actually could put them on for work today yeah so there you go so it's perfect. <laughs> Well, thank yeah, you for having thank us. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. coming in. Josiah and Alyssa, you guys have a great story. You're a beautiful family. Thank, thank you. you. And I'm really excited to see the success that you guys continue to have and the, and the community involvement. And I look forward to voting for you for mayor and governor and president. <laughs> Just keep waiting. Or senator yep. or whatever that you want to do. Uh-huh. Whatever it is. Yep. <laughs> I will probably just be a speechwriter for one of them Sounds at one point good. or another. Sounds I've done good. my share of campaigns. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. The Socks and Soul podcast is a production of Ditto Film Media. If you enjoy this content, be sure to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Join the conversation on Facebook at Socks and Soul Podcast.